each and every one of you. Happy Mother's Day. I am thrilled and honored to be with you. You may be seated in all of our locations. Can I just tell you, it's so good to be in the house of God. My life was changed and transformed when I walked into a church just like this. I learned what it meant to fall in love with Jesus. I learned what it meant to walk into the doors on a good day and a bad day and to know that I was surrounded by people that are for me, that believe in me, that are speaking life to me. So you made the right decision by being a part of church today. And we want to honor all the mamas. Mamas, we see you. We're proud of you. We are in this together. We are setting tables in our homes and in churches all across the world. And all that you do, just so you know, even the unseen, I feel like this whole day is a love letter to you from the Fresh Life team and from heaven saying, keep going, your best days are ahead. But I am thrilled to be here. We love your pastor so much, my husband and I. Can I just tell you, and I'm not just saying that in the air quotes, like the cute way, but we have a deep love for them and admiration and a respect. They are the real deal. They love Jesus. They love their kids. They love each other and they love y'all, which is a testimony of itself. (laughs) It really is. And anytime my husband and I are around them, I feel like we're strengthened and we're encouraged. I believe that there's two types of people in this world. There's there you are people, that, and then there's here I am people. Here I am people very much so where it's all about them, and they're like, here I am, check me out, look how great I am, here I am, look at all my angles. And then there's there you are people who remember the one, and your pastors remember the one from a restaurant to a hallway to a lounge to a lobby, no matter where they are all across the world, God has given them such great influence because he can trust them with every single one. Well, before I jump into my message today, this is my first time with all of y'all, so I wanna tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Onika, and my husband and I pastor a church in Dallas, Texas. So I have my boots on today. I do, I don't know if you can see my feet, but I have boots on today. And we have been married for over 25 years, which I cannot believe, 25 years. He is my very best friend. And we are not perfect. We do not have it all together, but we just decided to not quit. And we just put one foot in the front of each other like you do and trust God to meet us every step of the way. We love what we get to do, which is telling people about Jesus and just bringing heaven to earth. But he is my best friend. He makes fun of me because I'm not a singer, but I like to fake like I can sing. And I just consider my singing voice a stress reliever. It's almost like it brings comedic relief and it's not beautiful. And maybe later I might bust out a little bit. You'll see. I'm Natasha Cobbs. Um, But by any stretch, but I like to bring joy with my voice. But we have four, three beautiful children. We have three. We have two boys and a little girl. We have a picture of them. Parker is our oldest. He is 17 and he is so handsome. It's crazy because as your kids get older, you just think of them as they're still babies. But now he has abs and biceps and it's just crazy. It's so crazy. He's getting ready for prom. And then we have Grayson, our 11 year old. We call him wonder in a bottle. He's so creative. He's just this purity and this innocence and this tenderness. And he uses lots of words constantly. Unlike my teenager who used to use lots of words, but now it's just, what's up mom? And then we have Elle Grace, our youngest, who's six years old, about to be seven. And she is what I call the star on top of the Christmas tree of our life. 
And you may look at her and you go, hey, that's unique. She does not look like you, Onika. How did that happen? It is the grace of Almighty God. She was our surprise baby. We thought we were done with our two boys and a very content, full life, building the church and building our family. And God sent us a surprise in the form of a six-week-old baby at the time. And she has changed our life. One of the best things that has happened to our family. And I forget that I did not give birth to her biologically. I forget. And actually, if you spend enough time around us, we're we're the same. And so I just love how good God is. And he just continues to surprise us. But I just want you to meet our family. And I'm just going to jump right into the text. Go with me to Mark 14. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. Verse 2, but not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Verse four, some of those who were present indignantly to one another said, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will have always, and you can help them anytime you want but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Verse nine, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. The title of my message today is she did what she could. She did what she could. Turn to the person next to you and say, she did what she could. Tell the people in the chats, she did what she could. I think about the season that we're in. I think about how we're about two years out of the pandemic and in so many ways still in the pandemic. And I really think we can learn something from this beautiful woman who went before us. And we're going to dive deep into her story today. So just imagine, you know how Netflix, like recently, they, um, Oprah will interview someone on Netflix and they'll do a whole story on her or him. And you'll just get to see the behind the scenes of that person's life. Or we watch TED Talks where we interview people and they just tell us how they got to be, where they are, how they got to be successful, the backstory of their life. Today, we're going to look at the backstory of this woman's life and we're going to learn from her because she has gone before us and she did what she could and she gave something so costly, so beautiful, so sacrificial. But I do feel like as I reflect back on these last two years, when I look at my life, when I look at your life, because there was such a season where we didn't get to be together like we're used to being together, where we almost became isolated and insulated and cozy and comfortable. So when I think about this costly oil moment, But then I fast forward to where we are today, where so much of our culture and our life has been catered to comfort. So even before I got here today, I was wearing my stretchy pants. Because I'll, you know, we get a shout out to the stretchy pants. They, they cover a lot and they're just so nice because we all went through this two year season where we just lived 
constantly in stretchy pants. From the waist up, a jacket or a button up, but from the waist down, stretchy pants for days, sweatpants, leggings, joggers, elastic, just you bring on the comfort. And I feel like that comfort is so fun. And now it's a whole vibe. It's a whole mood. We're all about like that comfort, athletic leisure look. You know, Lululemon just went through the roof um, because of the pandemic because we all needed to be comfortable. I have some stats here for you. Okay, listen to this. Wearable sportswear, all brands have seen a 31% increase. Lululemon increased by 40% these last couple years because we were home, we were comfy, we were cozy, and now it's a trend. So many of us, because we were stuck at home, took on renovation projects. My husband and I, we're, we're the type of people that we see something and we think we can tackle it. Then we start doing it and we're like, this is not for us. But so many of you make it look so easy. You just have that like green thumb or you have that ability to you tour your house and you're like, oh, these floors, they used to be whatever. And we restored the oak to its original state. And so then my husband and I hear that. And we're like, we can restore oak. <laughs> then we start smelling the fumes and trying to tear off all the old flooring. And we get sick. True story, have to move out of our house for a month because we tried to be like you and renovate. But during this pandemic, so many people did that. There was a 40% increase in just the demand for materials. Listen to this. Home Depot added $40 billion in revenue over the past two years. And before it would take them over nine years to reach that mark. Because we were home, we were stuck looking at the same mantle, the same bathroom, the same backyard. So we went to all these different stores to try to do it ourselves. And we just got comfortable and cozy in our safe little environments. There's nothing wrong with building a beautiful home. There's nothing wrong with living in leggings and sweats and jogger pants or whatever you like to be comfortable. But what can happen if we're not careful because of the comfort culture of these last couple of years, we can let that comfort seep in slowly to our walk with Jesus. And as we hide away and try to create, because I'm all about comfort myself. Like I love my certain coffee. I love either almond milk or oat milk, and I love it steamed. I like to put about a teaspoon of honey in it. I have my favorite blanket at home that I like to like snuggle with. Even in the summer, I'm that weird person that even in the summer, I just love blankets. I love sweatshirts and just cozy, and it seeped into our whole entire family where our little girl, she has this little unicorn robe that like has a little unicorn thing on top, and she's always cozy. My sons love, we just love cozy, and we love comfort. And that's okay. But what happens is sometimes that coziness, that comfort, that I'm just going to just be me and just snuggle here by myself can then seep into how we see Jesus, how we respond to his love for us. And then we forget about the woman with the alabaster jar. And we think that's too costly. I cannot give my greatest gift. I got to stay cozy and I got to stay comfortable. But she knew something that we all need to know. And we're going to learn from her today because she's the backdrop of today. And we're going to be challenged by her strength, by her boldness, by her conviction, by her grit, by her desire to not be moved by what everybody else was thinking. And she walked into her room. 
And I feel like today I'm on assignment from heaven to wake up something on the inside of me, to wake up something on the inside of you. It says here in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I feel like this last season has had us just stuck in fear, stuck in finding our relief and comfort. It's okay to be comfortable. I love being comfortable, but it's not our savior. We cannot rest our life on comfort. We can enjoy comfort, but Jesus is our savior. He died for us to have fresh life, to have new life. He wants to strengthen our marriages. He wants to renew our minds. He wants us to have the grace to be the best moms we can be. He wants us to have the grace to crush it in school. He wants us to have the strength to start that new company, to start that new business. And I believe that for fresh life, the best days are ahead. We are still just getting started. God has laid a holy foundation, but we still have work to do. There's still people that don't know about this good news that we all know about. And so as I believe by scripture and by his precious Holy Spirit, that something is going to wake up on the inside of us and we're going to remember I did what I could but I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to do something. And even if I'm doing it in my sweats, I'm going to show up and be a part of making it on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to walk back through her story and we're going to just keep learning from her today because she has gone before us and she is wise and gracious and she knows the better way. So go back with me to this story of our new friend, Mark 14, verse three. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. So just feel this story with me. Imagine that you're at this dinner party. Imagine that you're at this table. Well, this is Jesus. He was in Bethany. He would go there from time to time, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. And it's so nice because things were tense during that time. His life was at stake. They were plotting to kill him, but because it was Passover, they were waiting because they didn't want people to freak out. So they're waiting for the right time. And Jesus was very aware of that. But sometimes even when life is just coming at you, it's so nice to just be in a friend's home and just sit and recline with them because it kind of helps you escape from the pressures and the weights that you are now waiting for you when you leave that door. And so this is a scene there. He was reclining at the table. So just relaxing, Simon the leper, a woman comes in, which also is not normal. For a woman to come in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. So this party, this gathering was going as planned. And you know when you're at a moment that you have all planned and then something happens and the atmosphere changed. So the atmosphere, they're sitting, they're eating, they're laughing, they're talking. And this woman walks in with this jar And it takes a lot of boldness and courage to just walk in uninvited. I don't know if her name was on the guest list. So I go back to that story of just her even at home before she stepped into this place of her trying to talk herself out of it. I don't know if I can go. What are they going to think? I'm a woman. I'm not honored in this society anyways. I don't have a voice. I don't have any worth. What can I do to honor my savior? What can I do to honor Jesus? But I don't know if I can. I don't know if I should. Many of you have had business presentations where you start doubting yourself. You start doubting the plan and the dream that you know that God has given you and you start pacing the floor and you start talking yourself out of it. That's exactly what she was going through. Many of you in school are getting ready to try out for a team, getting ready to apply for a college and you're pacing back and forth wondering, I wonder if I'm gonna get accepted. What will people think? She was just like you, just like me, questioning. 
but she still walked in. She stirred up the courage to walk into this place that she was not invited to because she wanted to give honor where honor was needed. She knew that she needed to obey and she knew that she needed to do it afraid and she did. And it was interesting too, because back then it's not like the type of place that you'd walk in as a woman and they'd have signs that said, I'm so glad you're here. I can't wait to see what's on the inside of you. There's no ceiling on your life. There's no limit. God has great plans. It was, you just didn't do that back then. So you just have to understand this type of woman that we're talking about. And she disrupted this party. When I put that in today's day and age, I think about back when I was in high school and I went to this party, this high school party, and I remember getting a brand new outfit for the party. I remember I had, I worked at a bakery and I remember using my first like check to go get this purse that I wanted. And I remember I was like, I'm going to go to this party. They're not ready for their, uh, what they're about to see. I'm bringing my new purse. I'm bringing my fresh fit. It is about to be on. I got my hair done or my hair did. It was ready. It was ready, y'all. I was ready to let this party know Onika is here. Let's go. So the DJ was playing. I walked in with my new outfit and my new purse that I bought with my very own money. And I saw this line. It was in the backyard and I saw this line to get into the house. So I'm talking about disruptions. And so I thought, why is everybody standing in line? Like, why don't they just cut across the backyard, like take a shortcut? And so I thought, I know something that they don't know. So I said, I'm taking the shortcut. The shortcut was a swimming pool that I could not see because all the lights were off. And in this moment where I thought I was going to be cool and have the best outfit and the best hair at the party, I ended up underwater. The music stopped. Like I disrupted this party. My friends had to drag me out of the water. And my hair, some of you can understand this, but when my hair gets wet, some of you are just blessed where you just, your hair is like flowing and it's just like, it's like a mood when your hair is wet. For me, when my hair is wet, it's not a mood. It just takes on this. It's not a vibe. It's not anything that you would want to emulate. It just has a mind of its own. And so I went from confident to please get me home right now. Um, I disrupted the party. Well, this woman, she disrupted the party. The music stopped and she walked in and she was on assignment. And back then when you had that alabaster, some people say that it was a family heirloom passed on from her mother. And so she gave her most costly thing, not the thing that there was just all these reproductions of. It was the only thing that she had as a family heirloom. So think about the china that you take out that used to be your grandma's and think about you only take that out, not that often. Think about that wine that you won at a company party that you know is super expensive and you're like, I'm gonna save this for the right moment and I'm gonna let it breathe and do its thing. Think about that jersey that you had that used to be your great grandpa's that you love wearing. Those sacred things that we think we're gonna use this at the appointed time. But the thing about this is back then, when you would do, when you would give someone some oil, you would just put a little dab on their head as like customary. But she gave him her everything. She broke what was sacred to her, broke it and poured it all over our Savior. She didn't hold back. She didn't say, I'm just going to be comfortable. I'm just going to give enough to where I can keep doing this as often as I want so that I can control the narrative or the scenario. She went all in. She went all in because she knew he was worth it. Verse four, some of those presents were saying indignantly to one another, 
Why this waste of perfume? So the air, even when she was serving, was not one of, yes, you go, you go, queen, you go, girl. Like that was not the air. The air was gossipy. It was whispering. It was looking down upon her. It was not celebrating what she did. Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Sometimes doing the right thing does not come with praise, but we still have to be obedient. Sometimes we do get the praise, but sometimes we just have to be obedient. And I believe that the people that were there that day, I believe that they just got familiar. They just got familiar. So they were upset at her bringing honor because they had meals with Jesus before. So they were just familiar and forgetting about the holiness and the weight and the wonder and the splendor and the sacrifice that he was about to do for us. Just a chapter before, Jesus was preparing them. He was preparing them for his death. He was preparing them for persecution, but still sat at a table with them, was trying to relax and recline. And then this beautiful woman walks in and brings him honor. And sometimes when you bring someone honor, it spurs on honor with other people, but not in this room. This room, they bounce back at her. And, but look at what our Savior did, verse six. And I wrote this down too, is that she understood whose presence she was in. She didn't get too comfortable. She didn't get too complacent. She didn't get too cozy. She understood, I am with someone so holy, so worthy of what I have that is most costly. Verse six, leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. I love that even in the tension that he defended her, that he fought for her, that he stood up for her all throughout scripture, Jesus is giving honor to his daughters. And anytime there's anyone coming against him, he stands up and he defends and he brings honor. And that's what he did in that moment. He didn't just let it pass by. He defended her. Verse seven, then he just like broke it down. He said, the poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. Verse eight, she did what she could. Let's just stop there for a second. She did what she could. Sometimes we think, I can't lead a group, but you know what? Doing what you can, even if you're in a season where you can't lead a group, you can pray for the people that are leading groups. That's doing what you can. Doing what you can is someone in, your, in the church or in your neighborhood has a baby. Doing what you can is making them a meal, leaving it at their door, and writing a little note. People remember that. Doing what you can is just praying. Like sometimes you don't have, it's not the season where you can serve and give your all, but you can pray. You can find out the needs of the church. You can find out the needs of the people on your job and you can start praying. Doing what you can is maybe you can't be here in person on a weekend, but you can give because God has blessed you with the gift of generosity. So you can give. Doing what you can is just showing up. Even if your marriage is going through what feels like a crisis, doing what you can is saying, I'm gonna get help. And I'm going to trust God that as I keep showing up, I keep putting one foot in front of the other, that Jesus is going to meet me and I'm going to be surrounded and we're not going to do this on our own. Doing what you can is inviting one friend in your high school to come to church with you. That is doing what you can. I think sometimes we feel like we have to do everything, but we can just do something. Mary, Mary understood. And many say that that was Mary in this story. 
I love this verse nine. Truly I tell you, whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Her life lived on and lives on today because she did what she could. And Jesus said, this is a moment, this is a defining moment. And I think about this story and I think about if this were us today. And I think sometimes when we are obedient, we feel like we have to put it on display and we feel like the world needs to know. And so imagine this today. So like this were today, before she even got to the house, when she was pacing, when she was contemplating, before she got there, she would have made like a reel. And the reel would have been like the behind the scenes of her getting ready. She's like, okay, what should I wear? What do I need to wear when I walk in? Okay, this is my reel. Okay, get this angle, get this angle, get this angle. Then before the reel, she would have done a save the day. Save the day. I'm about to walk into this gathering. I'm about to do something for our Lord. World, get ready. Then there would have been a countdown in four days. I'm gonna walk into this and you're gonna see that I know that this is Jesus. Y'all are sleeping. I'm about to wake you up. Get ready, get ready. Follow me, hashtag jar, hashtag alabaster. Then she would have said, join me tonight. I'm going live. I'm going live at Simon the leper's house. Get ready for the big reveal. Then she would have had her team around her. Okay, I need you to get this front angle. I need you to get the right. I need you to get the left. Then she would have got there ahead of time and said, okay, I'm about to turn on the camera, but before I do, I need you here. I need you here. I need you here. Okay, you scoot over. Move that, move that. That doesn't look natural. And then she would have said, ready, set, go. Then she would have broken out her oil. But I think what's so beautiful is she did this sight unseen. She was just obedient. One commentary I read said, Mary did this without a word. Her sister was much of a talker, but Mary, she didn't announce it. She didn't announce what she was going to do. She simply just did it. So as we serve our community, I think sometimes when we hear like, we need to be the light in the darkness, you don't have to be weird about it. You can literally just walk by someone's desk at work, just leave a coffee. And just say, thinking about you. You literally, with your teachers, with your professors, you don't have to, you know, have some like epic eight by 10 rave card to invite them to church. You can just say, I'm praying for you. Thank you for looking out for our class. It can be so subtle and so gentle, but we got to do something. But we don't have to do it for show. We don't have to do it for people to just like tell us how amazing we are. We just have to do it out of obedience. Spurgeon said this, let us labor in our service for the Lord to be more and more hidden. As much as the proud desire to catch the eye of men, let us endeavor to avoid it. As we continue on in her story, I started off talking about just the pandemic and comfort and being cozy. And we're learning from this beautiful woman with her pricely oil that she gave our best. She didn't shrink back. She didn't think this is gonna get taken from me. She actually thought, what can I give? And I feel like as you're listening to me share today that God is softening your heart and softening my heart as well to ask ourselves, not should I wear sweatpants or not? If that's what you're thinking, then you've missed the heart of this message. But asking ourselves, God, what do I have that's costly? And what have I kept from you in a season of fear in a season of scarcity, in a season of sparseness, what have I held back? What are you calling me to go all in with? Are you calling me to go all in in my marriage? Are you calling me to go all in in serving in church? Are you calling me to go all in in my neighborhood and start a mom's group or start a business leaders group? Like, what are you asking of me, Father? What can I learn from this woman's story?
Because if you're anything like me, we're all searching for peace. I'm always looking for peace. I remember after we had our oldest son, he's now 17. And I just had these thoughts because I would see all these other moms that right away, their lives would just jump right back to normal. Have a baby, boom, putting on your old jeans that you wore right before labor. So I would see that and I would think that's going to be my story. I'm going to have this baby. All my old clothes are going to fit. I'm going to dress him up while my husband's at work. We're going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to have this stroller that I've been wanting that I've seen that other people have. And I'm going to put him in these cute little outfits. I'm going to pack one just in case he has an accident, but I'm going to be ready. We're going to roll into Starbucks. I'm going to get my latte. It's going to be so fun. We're going to send dad all these pictures while he's at work. And I'm going to have this amazing life with my son. But what I did not know is that we would not sleep for four months. What I did not know is that he would be, he was, he was just, he cried a lot. And we're just like any new parent, sleep deprivation, it is torture. I believe that when people don't go to heaven, they're going to just have sleep deprivation because that is torture enough. And it was not what I thought. And so during that time, it woke up control in me and it woke up anxiety in me because my life felt so out of control. It felt from like planned and I know what's gonna happen to spastic, out of control, hectic, just foggy brained, not able to carry on a sentence, not able to take a shower. It was not the, you know when you have a picture in your mind of what your life's gonna look like and then you wake up to a picture that's completely different? So because of that, it made me actually want to start to control and it made me want to hold on to the things that I could that were sure. And so during that time, I craved peace and it is good to crave peace because peace is the opposite of anxiety. So there's nothing wrong. Peace, we all need it. We all want it. But there is another side to peace. And I wrote this down in my notes and I'm gonna read it to all of us. I think that on the other side of peace, there's also a process. There's also a fight that God wants to wake up on the inside of you. There's also a battle on the other side of peace. Peace is yes, a gift and a promise, but it also comes with a responsibility. There's a responsibility with the peace that God has given us. And so now whenever I'm talking with new moms in our church or new moms that I meet when I'm out and about, I give them all the scriptures that I stood on when I was filled with fear, when I was filled with anxiety. And I've used that to wake up something on the inside of me, to wake up a passion, to fight for other people. It's given me more compassion. It's actually expanded my capabilities and it's taught me to see people differently with grace, with hope, with love, and with patience. And so as we strive for peace and search for peace, don't let it make you fall asleep on the work that God has called you to. I just think that it's so important that we respond when peace comes. I wrote this down. When Jesus gives us peace, it's not just to retreat, it's to respond. There's a story here that I feel like runs parallel with the story that we've been talking about today. And it's found in Judges 6. And it's about Gideon. And this is what the Lord said to him in Judges 6, 23. But the Lord said to him, peace, because Gideon was afraid. He was filled with fear. All of a sudden he went, he was in the, you know, he was in the wine press doing all the things, threshing all the wheat. And all of a sudden he becomes a hero and is called to do great things. But just like you, just like me, he was dealing with fear. But verse 23, but the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Verse, 40, verse 24, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. 
And I believe that what situation that you're facing that you're wondering, Onika, where's my peace? Allow God's presence to invade that situation and allow him to speak the same words that he spoke to Gideon over you. You are not going to die. Verse 24, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. And sometimes you have to call something peace even before the peace comes. And peace doesn't always mean chill. It doesn't always mean relax. Because right here in verse 25, it says the same night. Say the person next to you, the same night. The Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to bow and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So peace came with an action. He got peace, but then he had to get up and do something. And then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this height. And the words that jumped out as me when I was reading that, that the words that jumped out at me as I was reading that were tear down, which are in action words, cut down and build. Tear down, cut down and build. And I feel like these last couple years, so many things so many pulls, so many idols, so many weights, so many worries have tried to tower over us in this season. And I believe that God is asking us to respond to the peace that he wants to give us, to respond by faith. I believe that these old things that we are resting our lives on, he is calling us to tear them down, to cut them down, and to build again, and to build an altar, and to give honor and glory to God. I know that when Jesus, as he watches the pain that we've endured or currently are enduring, he is so compassionate and so kind and loves us and wants to bring strength and healing and restoration. But there's other people that are waiting for us as we walk through this valley, as we walk through this pain. And why not instead of letting the enemy just laugh of like, look at all this chaos I've caused in the world. Look at all this chaos I've caused in your life. Maybe we should make it an altar. Maybe we should put Jesus on top of it and say, God, yes, it's been painful, but I trust you. And I'm going to give you the most costly thing, the thing that costs the most, whatever it is that costs the most to you, I'm going to put all my chips in and I'm going to say, I put my hope and my trust. My family belongs to you. My job belongs to you. My career belongs to you. My school belongs to you. And even when I felt misunderstood, I'm not going to let the thing that's come against me be the thing that wins. I'm going to let your voice, your words, your promises, your peace be the loudest voice. And so ask yourself today, write this in your journal, write this in your phone. God, what do I need to tear down? What do I need to cut down? And what are you calling me to build? Because I feel like the best days, like I started out saying, for fresh life are ahead. We are not looking back. We are looking ahead. There's more families that we are called to touch. There's more teenagers and young adults we're called to touch. He is not done. There's more fields for us to plow in. And there's something about a pioneer spirit. You can still have a pioneer spirit and be in your 60s. You can have a pioneer spirit and be in your 20s. You can have a pioneer spirit and be a teenager. But I believe that God wants to wake up that pioneer spirit again because there's more land for us to take. There's more lives for us to touch. There's more people that need prayer. There's more people that need peace. There's more people that need grace. So I'm just here to tell you from Dallas, Texas, don't quit. Stay pressed in. Stay leaned in and say, God, I give you my most costly possessions, my most costly oil, because you are worth it. You are worth it. You are worth it. So Father God, I thank you for this precious church. 
I thank you for your hand upon every single life at every single location. And I ask that we pour out, as we pour out what's most costly, I ask that your presence would invade our homes, invade our schools, invade our businesses. Would you go before us as we step into boardrooms, as we step into schools, as we step into new seasons, would you go before us? Would you strengthen us? Would you encourage us? Would you remind us that he who began a good work will see it to completion? In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. Let's give God praise.